This morning's going to be a little bit different. You know, normally when I'm, first off, I'm not going to be in First John this morning. Yes, it messes up the calendar. Not going to be in John this morning, John 10. And you know, normally when I'm doing my sermons, right, we're doing, it's like doing this massive survey of the whole Bible, right? But this is going to be a little different this morning for a couple different reasons. One of which is I just, just really felt impressed by the Lord that we, okay. I'm not calling anyone out, okay? I'm not being, you know, condemning. I'm saying, what I am saying is that the Lord has impressed upon me that we need to take a moment as a church and pause and relook at what it means to love others and not just each other with with us in this church, but also others in our lives and the people around us. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Let's pray. O Lord, we, your people, come before you this morning and we acknowledge that we need a refresher on what love is. And we, O Father, Sit down at your feet and we ask you, teach us what love is. Teach us what loving looks like. We ask you, Father, to do this not because we're bad or we've been bad, but because we have a tendency towards selfishness and we just need you to remind us and pull us back to loving. Reminding us what it is as well as giving us the desire of a heart to do it. And that's that's where the real problem is with me and all of my family in front of me. We we know enough to love, we just don't have enough desire to do it right, well. But praise God, you love us enough to draw us to you for this. 
And so we ask now in this time, looking at these words that you have written for us, that we would see it and respond to it, O Father. And I pray specifically that there would be no condemnation upon anybody's heart, mind, and soul this morning. Even if they are convicted of not loving well, it is not for your condemnation against them, but it is for your loving kindness to draw them into truer, deeper, richer joy. And that's the real purpose for looking at this this morning is to have more joy in what you give us, Lord. So I'm asking that you would do this this morning for all of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is just a wee bit uncomfortable. And I really struggled with whether or not to do this this morning because I'm consciously aware of how easy it is to project my own thoughts and feelings onto the rest of you as though this is something that the church thinks and feels. I mean, I certainly didn't do well loving this week. And I thought at the first, you know, this is just me being convicted and being ashamed at what I didn't do and what I did. But nonetheless, the even after that concern, this was just the Lord convicting me. He still kept pushing. No, I want you to do this on Sunday morning with, with my people. Like, okay. But like, can I just get good at this first and then come back and talk about it? Do I have to talk about it while I'm doing it badly? Yes. Yes. That was his answer. Yes, you have to talk about it while you're doing badly. You have to run the risk of feeling hypocritical doing this. And so that's why I keep prefacing don't feel any sense of condemnation and attack or whatever from me because if you feel conviction, I did it worse than you did probably this week. So, okay. Love is patient, right? The the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins talking about love in terms of what it looks like. What love does look like and what it does not look like. Compare and contrast. And his very first one, Are these, you know, one of the questions we ask ourselves as as theologians and Bible interpreters is, well, is this a, is this a order of importance or an order of priority? Is patient more important than kind? Is not envying and not boasting more equally important as not being arrogant or rude? Although they're kind of the same thing. I mean, there's always someone that disagrees, but the overwhelming majority agree that these are not prioritized. It's not like patience, the most important one. But that they're all equal in their description of what love is. And we're supposed to do all of them with equal zeal. 
I'll just use that word. With equal intention. So when he says love is patient and kind, he's describing to us what it looks like. Right? And just we think about this, right? We've all heard this cliche over and over that love covers a multitude of sins. And it comes right from first Peter chapter four, verse eight. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Love covers a multitude of sins. However, Peter wasn't the one who invented this phrase. I mean, apart from the Holy Spirit, right? Peter's not the first one of the biblical authors to say that. We can go back to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So this idea that love covers a multitude of sins and isn't new. It was not something that they came up with as the New Testament writers. It was there from the times of Solomon, at the very least. And so when Paul describes love as patient and kind... It's easy, like, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to be patient that someone's doing what I like. Right? The patience part comes when they're doing something I don't like. But I don't like that. Stop doing that. That's our innate natural response, right? And Love is patient, sometimes at least, sometimes, not necessarily all the time, but okay, most of the time. Love is patient means just, okay, you, you don't like what they're doing, but just be patient. Who is more convicted? Okay, let's say that they're, what someone's actually doing that I don't like is actually wrong. Okay. Which voice has the greatest impact and conviction in their own heart that what they're doing is wrong? My voice or God's voice? Yeah, right. This is an easy answer. I did, since it's a first, you know, this is Sunday, this is first grade Sunday school answer. God's voice, right? Everybody knows that God's voice will have a greater impact than mine. So that just means I need to be quiet and let God's voice talk. Now, it's true. We are called to speak the truth in love. Okay, if you're doing something I don't like, it's really hard for me to speak the truth to you in love. I'm looking, I'm I'm aching to speak the truth to you. I'm just not aching to do it in love. I'm making to do it and get it and stop that because I don't like that. But patience is okay. Yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and let the, let this sit and let the Lord have a chance to work. And when I'm actually in a loving mindset, then I'm going to speak the truth in love if I feel, if I believe that's what the Spirit's leading me to do. Because I love them, 
I'm going to let love cover a multitude of sins against me. See, that's the... You're sinning against me. That's the problem. So pale love is patient and it's kind and it does not envy or boast and it is not arrogant. Oh, really? Right, because I like exalting myself in front of those that I love. I love you should have seen the way I took that curve this afternoon in the truck. I look like Dale Earnhardt reborn, resurrected from the dead. And of course, the implied and often, not always, but often the implied unsaid phrase following that boastfulness is, and you can't do that like me. In essence, I'm putting them down. I'm exalting myself by tearing them down. And it is not arrogant or rude. Give me that. I'm supposed to have it anyway. I will take what belongs to me. Okay, first off, it probably doesn't really belong to you. You just think it belongs to you. That's usually the truth. But we don't care about that. Love does not insist on its own way. I'm really not good at that. I just, I know that may come as a shock to some of you, but I'm really just not good at not insisting my own way. I want what I want. I want what I want. And I want it when I want it. And I want it whether I'm asking it from Amy or Jesus. I want what I want and you're going to give it to me. That's insisting in our own way. While I've been speaking so far primarily about our interpersonal relationships with each other, it's also true that I do that to Jesus. I do the same thing to him that I do to Amy. I want what I want and you're going to give it to me. Now, of course, I would never be so foolish as to say it so plainly. My heart knows that we got to hide the truth of what we really are saying and make it sound like something else that's good. You have promised in your word to do this. So do it now. No. No. You have said in your word, this is what your desire is for your people, and I'm asking you to do this. That's not insisting in our own way. (laughs) And I don't even need to cover the phrase, it's not irritable or resentful. I mean... When we want what we want and we insist on it, it comes out as resentful and irritable. 
The tone of our voice communicates irritability and resentfulness when we just say it. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Here's the part of that phrase that I don't like. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. My sharp, sarcastic bite that hit the mark and stung to the bone brings me joy. I rejoice in the harm I did. Now that's that's got a whole set of layers to dig through. But that's just not loving. Jesus doesn't do that. Has anybody in this room, and some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, has any of you ever experienced a stinging, sarcastic bite, not a rebuke that you deserve, but a stinging, sarcastic bite from Jesus? No. Nobody. Never. And you never will. Because that's not love. And he's going to love us even when we're doing it to him. But love rejoices with the truth. And see, I was really okay with working through verses 4, 5, and 6. But when we get to 7, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Are you really serious about love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things? Are you... You know what she just did and you expect me to bear it and believe and hope and endure. I got some endurance I'm going to give. Love bears all things, believes all things. It hopes all things. Yes, it endures all things, both with those we live with and care about and love and our Father in heaven. I often talk about the upside-down nature of the kingdom. Well, we're going to have a moment of upside-downness. I'm going to give you a grammar lesson, which should be immensely ironic to every one of you, that I am going to give grammar lessons. Love is a verb. It is not a noun. It is a verb. Verbs are words describing action. Okay? Love is an action. Love is a verb. Verbs require a subject doing the action. And in the case of love and the characteristics of love, it also requires a direct object. The object being loved by the person or subject doing the love. Amy loves me. She's the one doing the action. She's taking the action, and it is an action directed at me. 
Amy loves me. She is patient and kind with me. And this week she had to bear more than was fair. She was patient to stop what she was doing and listen because I wanted to get things off my chest. She was doing something she wanted to do. She was doing something she needed to do. She was doing something that has a time limit to when it must be completed. And and I interrupt and she stops what she's doing and listens. Right, the way I get things off my chest is I, 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 I talk about it. And so she stops what she's doing that has a deadline to listen. She, when I was just very wrapped around the axle and torqued as tight as I could be torqued. She was patient and kind with unrealistic expectations. She didn't boast about, don't you remember what I've done for you this week? She wasn't rude when I interrupted her. She bared all things. She believed that God could work things out that she knew she couldn't. She hoped for those things to be worked out and for the restoration of of us by the interference that the things were causing. And she endured my trouble. She endured not being loved even while giving it. Which is what our Father in Heaven does for us. Before we were able to love Him, He loved us. Before we were able to be patient and kind, He was patient and kind towards us. And you, and it's very difficult to have more patience and kindness than for Jesus to be nailed to the cross, hoisted into the air, baking in the Mediterranean sun for three to four hours after having been beaten to a pulp and then die. All for one purpose, to pay the price for our sins so that we could be made clean. He who knew no sin became sin so that we 
could be without sin. It's just, it is love unimaginable, un, unexplainable and, and unfathomable. We can kind of get it, but we really can't. I mean, not, we can, not the part that we can receive that love, but that we can comprehend that kind of love. We, we can comprehend some of it, but not all of it. And despite the desires of our hearts, God the Father, and God the Son, and even God the Holy Spirit have bared all our things. They never stopped believing in what we would become through the power of the Holy Spirit transforming us. From before time began, from before the moment Eve plucked that piece of fruit off the tree, they hoped all things. All the things we see at the end of the Bible in Revelation and long to have. And Lord knows they've endured all things for us. They endured all the silliness of Abraham's mistakes. They endured all the machinations of Jacob and his sons. They endured the ingratitude of the Israelites in the wilderness. They endured the losing of their minds once they got into the land. They endured Saul and all of his silliness. They endured David's going off the deep end. They endured the whole nation of Israel going off the deep end with everything that happens with the ten tribes of the north and then eventually the two tribes of the south, the Babylonian exile, the return with Ezra and Nehemiah, and the Lack of faith, lack of trust, lack of belief. They endured, the, the Trinity endured all those things. And then they endured Jesus' incarnation and patient living out 30 years before he became to the rest of us what he was created to be, the Messiah. And then they endured the three years of the Pharisees and the trying to make him into something he's not supposed to be from everybody else. And then after enduring the cross, they endure everything that we see and know and understand from the New Testament and the New Testament church and church history in our own lives. They've endured all of them. Never, never for a second giving up hope. 
They never for a second have said, Oh my gosh, is he doing that again? That's it. We're done. Michael, Archangel Michael, cut his line. Cut that umbilical cord we've given him from us to him. Cut it. He's done. Never, never once, never for a second has he thought that. I mean, if it were me, I'd have taken a machete to that umbilical cord. But not, but not him, because he, he loves. He, he shows his love by what he does. The action that it is. So what am I really trying to get at here? I, just love better. That's it. Just love better. Now, this isn't, you know, when I say that, it's, it's not, I'm not saying, look, just buckle down, tighten your belt, take a deep breath, and overcome your negative emotions and thoughts, and just love. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you already know from your own personal attempts at loving how impossible it is to do this in your own strength. So yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit to empower you to love beyond your capacity. This is not easy. I mean, yielding to the Spirit is tough and hard and not fun. And certainly doing things beyond my capacity is not fun. So why do this? We, we do it for the joy that comes from loving. Not the, not the, oh, not the boastful, arrogant, I'm better of lo- at loving than you are. I'm, I know, I know how much I am suffering to love you. I'm better at it than you are. No, not that. Not that. That brings us right back to love does not envy or boast. No, I mean the joy of knowing that we have loved like our Father, our Savior, loves us. That for the joy of becoming like Him, which is which is at the end of the day, that's why he calls us to do it. He knows it's not not easy. But doing it and fighting through the, the, the hard work to get there conforms us into his image and we are more like him. And that brings joy. Many of us have already experienced that. 
you look at this child who has just been born, is completely helpless. They literally can't feed themselves. And there's just so much pure love coming out of your heart for this newborn child. A love that continues through the toddler years. Oh, Lord Jesus, through the teenage years. That's really testing love right there, brothers and sisters. Ooh. And some are easier to love for the teenage years than others. And Lord Jesus, thank you for the ones that are easier to love through the teenage years because if they'd all been like the one that wasn't easy to love through the teenage years, one of us would be in prison for murder. And we, all the while, they're not able to love us back with the same love that we've been feeling and giving until they have their own. And then finally, 20 years, 25 years, maybe 30 years after we've started loving them, they understand what it means to love us. They understand what we were, why, they finally understand it. Yet, love is patient. It is 20, 25, 30 year patience. And we think, wow, that's just insane. That's just, that's a really long time to be patient with this person. Even if they are my child. But how many years was our father patient with me? I, I would like, by the way, just so we're clear, his patience with me hasn't really stopped. Like I'm don't need, he doesn't need to be patient with me anymore. This is love. Love better means Recognizing what our Father has done for us and being willing to let the Spirit guide us in that same action towards those around us, those very close to us and those not so close to us. And that's, that's what I'm just asking you to do. Just do this kind of love better. The kind that can only be, be done by the Spirit at work in you to draw you out. I need to love better more than all of you. There's an old cliche of dying men preaching to dying men. This is an unloving man calling you to love better. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you are so patient with us. Thank you that you are so kind to us. That in your loving kindness, you do not treat us the way we deserve to be treated by our sinful actions 
and our lack of loving you, but that instead you treat us with your kind of loving kindness. Lord, thank you that you are never irritable or resentful. No matter how bad my attitude gets, no matter how bad our attitude gets, you don't become resentful or irritable. Would you give us that kind of love, Lord, to be able to not be resentful and irritable towards those around us and those we care for and those you've called us to love? Lord, thank you that you just pour out your spirit because you poured out your blood first. Thank you, Lord, for washing me white as snow through the blood of Jesus, washing me clean every day. And thank you, Father, that you have given to me Christ's righteousness so that I don't have to come up with my own. Thank you that in your loving kindness, you don't leave me where I am, but that you are always drawing me out to become more like Jesus. That I can really start to look like your son as well as just be your son or daughter. Thank you, Lord, for loving us this much. In Jesus' holy name, amen.